Hello, I'm Howard, and welcome to the 1920 Review podcast, the show that once more watched England go out on penalties, only this time they were the only team taking them. Uh, we're looking back at England's disappointing World Cup exit and where this leaves the team and its manager. And, if we've got time, I know how we will, we'll have a bit of City chat as well. Uh, so do so, a lot to, to deal with and talk about. Delighted to have some big names in, it's Asan and it's Steve. Uh, good morning Asan. how are you doing? Morning Howard, uh, I'm really good, how are you sir? Yeah, not bad. This is take two after I failed to plug in my laptop the first time we tried to record this. Thankfully, my laptop went very early in the show, so we didn't lose a whole hour. So, yeah, could be better, but that's Monday mornings for you. So, <laughs> so It's an easy mistake to make on a Monday morning, especially when you've been watching the cricket. Yeah, it's the one time I moved away from my desk is to watch the cricket whilst I did the agenda. So, lesson learned. So, yeah. Uh, Stay, how are you doing? Hello again. <laughs> hey, you can't speak anyway, so... I know, I had a mare last week, lost an entire podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was a great podcast. It, it was the best podcast we'd ever done. Yes. Just, just trust me on that. In the history of podcasts. Exactly This one that. was going to pick up awards. And... It was. It was award-winning, and sadly it's now in the annals of kind of, yeah, some dustbin somewhere. But, yeah, I'm good, and uh, I'm cold, but good. Mm. Um and yeah, I'm, I'm I'm okay about England's defeat, which we'll get to shortly. Because a Welsh, <laughs> you've, you've got a Welshman on to talk England. Lovely stuff. Yeah, you asked to come on, so I did. I, I was I was cheering on England. Right. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I always do. I always want England to do well. I always want Scotland, Northern Ireland, Republic of mm. Ireland, all the rest of it. It's, yeah, okay. I, I'm 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 not a hater. I'm a lover. Okay. Right. Well. We are going to have some city chats at the end because you know, there's a couple of things to talk about and with England out the competition and virtually all of our players, I think it's a great time to talk about City again. As uh, 10 days away, City will be playing a football match. Is that all it is? 10 days? Yes. Oh, the Liverpool game, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet Carabao. Focus on Leeds. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, sweet Carabao, yeah. Sweet, sweet. Well, we'll see if it's sweet or not. So, uh, Before, though, let's talk England. So... Let's start, Asa, with the team. An unchanged side. Were you happy with that? Did you go into this game thinking that this was a 50-50 game as well between two of the best sides left in the tournament? I think so. I mean, I I didn't... I I know that going into it, a lot of people were quite defeatist, surprisingly. Um, I, I didn't feel like that. I felt as though England, if they performed at a certain level, the players, I think they absolutely had it in them to compete with France over 90 minutes. I think, you know, as much as it's a cliche, when when you come into a big game like this, it's a little bit like the latter stages of the Champions League, the knockout ties, where, you know, winning or losing, it's it's it will be about fine margins. So ultimately, for me, it becomes as much about whether you give a good account of yourself. And if you give a good account of yourself, the result is the result. Sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. So going into it, for me, in terms of the selection, I didn't want Southgate to change it from the previous game because I felt as though that collection of players had given a really good account of themselves against Senegal and deserved the opportunity against France to uh, to do it again. Hmm. Steve, your thoughts, I guess. I've always wondered if Southgate, especially with the riches he has at his disposal, doesn't truly know his best eleven. Yeah. But you can't really argue after a very professional performance against Senegal that he, he sticks with what he's got. It's quite interesting, really. Because I'd love to know what 
Southgate thought were going into the tournament, and I'm sure it was a case of, right, I'm going to play this formation against Iran, this formation against Wales, but then when we get to knockouts, you know, we may go to a three at the back, etc., etc. And it's really interesting how he ultimately stuck with this formation throughout the mm. tournament. Um, and stuck good. with the same, absolutely, yeah. it's a positive, yeah, and, and stuck with the same lineup as well. Um, completely agree with Asan. It was the right thing, the right call to make to stay with this 11. And I was surprised at that, and I was encouraged by that when I saw the lineup. So, you know, as regards to what came next, we can discuss, obviously, and we will do. But in terms of the lineup, I think Southgate got it bang on. Yeah, I'm not. We're going to talk about, obviously, the match itself, individual things that happened. Uh, We're going to do that now. But I think I'd like to spend as much time, rather than digging deep into every single thing that happened during the match, digging, you know, where defeat leaves England afterwards. So I'll kind of split it into that. But Asan, for you, obviously, I think it was, was it 17 minutes when France scored? In the early part of this game, did it feel like this was... Southgate had got his team right and this was a different sort of team and performance to previous England teams or how did you feel positive when this match started and it unfolded? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, that goal when it comes, in in some respects, I think it might have been a little bit of a blessing for England and, and what I mean by that is simply that I think that France are the type of team where when they take the lead, they do play dead, which is more or less what they did uh, after they scored the goal. And I think that what that did is it allowed England to recover from the disappointment of conceding a goal and play themselves back into a position where they feel as though they're a little bit more in control and they can get back into it. Um, And I think the other thing is that and I think this is a, a, a little bit a characteristic of this team, I feel, or this generation of England players. Um, I think they all, come from, they all come from clubs where they, they're trained well and, and going a goal behind is not the end of the world. And so I, felt, I feel as though you see that when mm. even... I mean, France are the world champions. Sure, many scores an absolute worldie. It's really easy in that situation for those for, for the England players to go, oh, not not again. That you, you know what I mean? Just feel mm. sorry for themselves, and they just didn't do that. I felt as though they they were thoroughly professional in how they handled going a goal behind and how they then played themselves back into the game. What did you think, Steve? I mean, for both sides, it was ultimately a half and perhaps a match as a whole until latter, latter stages shorts on chances mm. people say chess match it's not my favourite way of describing <coughs> a football match to be honest but how did it feel to you, did it feel like England were, were there as equals and it was just a tight match where one great strike was separating two sides it absolutely felt like that I mean what, what maybe helped in that regard is you know if we're talking about England and how they responded was there was clearly a foul in the build up to the goal um, and so England felt hard done by so you know half of you is going to feel deflated but half of you is going to feel just absolutely fired up at that you know furious at the referee furious at the circumstance and determined to turn that around so they did respond well England um, and it was a pretty even first half I would say um, 
fewer chances than we saw in the second half as the game opened up, but, you know, nothing unusual there. Um, overall, I think they nullified Mbappe really well. Um, it was quite a clever kind of move on Southgate's behalf to kind of, you know, just nullify Walker and Mbappe, take them both out of the game and make it less of a factor in it than it could have been. And in doing so, creating room behind Mbappe, because let's face it, he's not ever going to track back in his life, and to create lots of space. But the big problem became apparent from half an hour in, and this became the, the problem for the next 40, 50 minutes, in that one England player kept on getting into brilliant positions, loads of space, really dangerous areas of the pitch, and that player was Jordan Henderson. And you don't want Jordan Henderson in that position. You want, you know, kind of Foden or Saka or, you know, Madison if he was playing or someone like that, Grealish in those positions. So we'll come to this, I'm sure, but the in-game management at Gareth Southgate, beforehand he made some really good decisions, but in-game... He's, he's such a poor, limited manager when it comes to making decisions on the spot. Yeah. And, and, and they, you know, you needed a change and desperately needed a change. And it didn't, ha- it, it didn't have to be a substitution, just a switch of positions, bring Foden more central, and then suddenly it's Foden in those positions and not Jordan Henson out on the right. And Yeah, we are, yeah. are going to get to engage management because I think it, it's highly relevant to the period when it's one all. And of course, yes. the period after yeah, yeah. two one. So in the second half, it becomes a lot more relevant. Uh, Henderson did, of course, open the scoring against Senegal, but yeah, he's not the player you expect to be chipping in. Yeah, he's not. He's still not the first player you want to be in dangerous positions. But no, I guess if it, if we've got the ball to him, it won't matter if you if a player's getting into dangerous positions. That's good, whoever it is, because they all should be capable of scoring goals. So. But it's, um, what, it's, it's wide on the right a lot in loads of space. And again, you don't want Jordan Henson. You know, you would prefer a more creative player in that position. Mm. And then you could have really hurt but, France. But it was quite it was working quite well because it, that was linked to Mbappe there, wasn't it? It was trying yes. to... Yeah. It was using the space behind him. So, And if he's the one that's been picked, Henderson, then he's the one that's going to drift over there as a central midfielder. I don't know. Uh, Asan, I don't know what counts as a passage of play. I guess that's to be a... <laughs> it has to go out of play. It has to uh, change hands. It has to be a tackle in there. Is that doing them really have any cause to moan? Whether it's a foul on Saka or not, it's at the other end of the pitch and it's thirty seconds previous. It it feels a bit pointless arguing about a foul in the lead up, or do you feel differently? I mean, look from a from a um, if you look at the details of the build up of that move, there's a foul on Mbappe. Um, before the ball comes back to Shuameni to score. So I suspect that that's why... I think that if that had just been two passes and the second one goes to Shuameni and he bangs it in, maybe VAR go back and go back and have a look at it. But because really they break... Mbappe comes across the, the, the front of the penalty area and he gets fouled, rides the challenge and plays it out before the ball is played back to... To show many, no, I don't think can, England can have too many complaints in terms of VAR. Uh, the referee should have seen the foul in the first place. But yes, the, yeah. I felt I felt as though um, the officials were, to put it mildly, uh, pretty poor in terms of if you look at the the size and the magnitude of the game, and then you look at the manner in which they refereed it. It didn't in any real moment feel as though they had control over what was happening on the pitch. And what I mean by control is not that players were being reckless, 
but I just felt that too many very, very obvious um, infringements were just not being called. That's a problem for me. This, this look, cuts the chase. He was fucking terrible. <laughs> Don't like to go no, in a referee. He I was know. Appalling. I'm not saying. It no, not about the results. He was just terrible. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But I, I often think about, I often think about um, something that Pep's has said a few times in the last couple of years when discussing Champions League games and how, you know, you have to mitigate for many different things. And one of the things that you have to mitigate for is the officiating because it isn't consistent. You can have a referee that will blow for everything and then you can have a referee that will blow for nothing. And you never know which one you're going to get or what type of of mood that ref's going to be in. So it's something that you do have to mitigate for. I don't think that England lost because of the referee. No. So, well, bad as he was, f- fine. What it is. Yeah, he definitely had it in for Saka, which was bizarre. Mm. Uh, I think I'm sure the commentator said that VAR did look at the foul uh, because it was the same passage of play, but it wasn't such an obvious foul that you can call it clear and obvious error uh, that should overturn the goal. And this is the problem with referees who are just allowed to let everything go. Think about the non-penalty on Kane. So I assume VAR couldn't say for sure that it was on the line or in the in the penalty area. So because the referee doesn't give anything at all, then England, because VAR can only give a penalty, not a free kick, England get nothing from that because of the passiveness of the referee. When yeah. they could have at least have had a free kick in a dangerous area, but because the referee's not wanting to make decisions, then England get nothing instead. And it's and people defending this referee say, well, he did give two penalties. How on earth did he need a monitor to give that second one? It's just he shouldn't be on the pitch if he can't see that late penalty in real time. He just shouldn't be on the pitch. It's absolutely yeah. pathetic. Though in better news, I see our favourite referee has been sent home from the World Cup. A son, Mr. Mahos, is that? Yeah, he's gone. Uh, such a great loss to the competition as well. So. <laughs> no, <I'm not laughs> he, he loved it. The other one, seventeen booking, booking players on the way up to take a penalty. That's what you need from a referee. Mm. But yeah, I think it's a hard line. It's a it's a tough line for referees because we don't. I hate them just blowing for everything because players try and cheat all the time, and you'll get a lot of positive comments if they let the game flow. But this this man this referee just seemed to ignore, especially on one specific player, everything that happened. You still need referees to give clear fouls, and he didn't seem capable of doing that. His response to Saka, yeah, I was just amazed he gave the penalty in the second half. To be honest, considering what went before, but there you go. So I thought Foden was a bit isolated first half, but I thought England were okay. Second half, I was listening to Julian Luan. Uh, there seems to be a general consensus, Steve, that England were the better side in that second half, at least the 79th minute. Do you agree with that? Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our content, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.